Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome back to another exciting episode of I Don't Know History featuring me, Alex, the historian. And me, RJ. And guess what? I don't know history. RJ is something of a non-historian. Mm-hmm. Why is that, RJ? I've never asked you why you, you, you took no interest in history in school. Because my teachers were bad, I guess. One of them made fun of me. Uh, also, the curriculum was for just For being bad. bad at history, or? Not for being bad at history, just like... So... A long time ago, way back when, mm-hmm. um, I just had bad teachers, essentially. The curriculum was kind of just, we did the Tudors, we did World War, but it was a very partial, glancy look at it. Well, you can't blame the curriculum. That's just poor teaching, because I've taught you those two things, and you've been extremely interested in both of them. No, I mean, like, curriculum-wise, I, anyway. I mean, how they teach you. So, mm. like, what they touch upon. So, like, it, I didn't know certain elements of World War Two. Or how it ended. All I knew is Hitler died, it was over. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, RJ's year seven, eight, high school history teachers. No, uh, my year seven, actually she's my year seven Welsh teacher and year nine or year ten history teacher. If you're listening to this, um, RJ's high school history teacher. She can't be, she's in prison. I'm better than you. (laughs) She's in prison, so I hope so. Really? She's literally in prison. For what? Stealing from Debenhams. Her Not- husband stole like 70 grand worth of stock and they both went to prison because oh they both been on it. Scandalous. Yep. I didn't realise that. It was really funny when that broke on Facebook. I was like, that is my history teacher. <laughs> Arjun, what, what, what topic do you think we're going to cover today? I don't know. You haven't told me. No, I haven't. You're right. It's a surprise. Oh... But for the first time in, I don't know, history, history, yeah, we're going to have to do a two-parter. Oh. Because what I'm covering is an extremely long and uh, visceral topic. Oh, fuck. I think I know what we're covering now. What do you think it is? Is it the Thousand-Year War? Not the Thousand-Year Thousand War. Year war. <laughs> Hundred-Year War. No. War. I, I the haven't. War of the Roses. I'm not doing the Hundred Years. The War of the Roses and the Hundred Years War are two different things, my friend. Oh. What was the War of the Roses? Well, War of the Roses was an English Civil War. The War of the Roses was England versus France. It's neither of those things. Okay. <laughs> We're going slightly more modern history, as we had, as we did do in the first episode, and in episode four with the American Civil War. I've actually decided, RJ, to do a segment on the Cold War. The Cold War? The Cold War. Oh, shit. Now, RJ, what, what is the Cold War? Um, as far as I'm aware, it is the war that took place in the 80s, I guess, um, I think. Um, it was, like, the US against the, the Russians, um, Soviet Russia, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, and it was called Cold because it was about nuclear, <laughs> I guess. Wow. I don't know. I you don't know anything don't about know anything. it, do you? No, not really. That's all I remember from well, that TV is, that shows. Well, that is the, that is the topic of the show. There was show. like nuclear, I guess. Was there nuclear involved? There was. There was. And I, I, there's something about cold because it's either how they were attacking each other or how they could. I don't know. Okay. So you may need to sit down for this. I will. I just I'm need about, my glasses. I'm about, to, I'm about to blow your mind. Oh! So, Andre, the Cold War was, by by conventional means, not really a war. 
It was like political, wasn't it? It was a period of geopolitical tension. Okay. Uh, after World War II, between pr- predominantly Soviet Russia and its satellite states, and the USA and its Western allies. It was called the Cold War because um, it was kind of the term Cold War was coined for the Cold War. A Cold War is referred to nowadays as a war wherein there is no actual fighting. As opposed to a, a, a hot war. That's that's what I'm. That's what I was going with with the whole nuclear thing. Yes, yeah. it was like it wasn't a war war, but because they had nuclear weapons, it was like we're pointing it, we're pointing it. No one's fighting each other. A war of deterrence. That was later on. Uh, we are going to have to do this as a two-parter, as I said, because it's yeah. very long and very complicated, and we'll get into the nuclear side of it in mm-hmm. part two. But in part one, basically, what I'm going to do is um, how it began. Um, because it was, it's very front-loaded. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, when it started, there was a lot of things going on. A lot of things happened in very quick succession. And then there were periods in the 60s and the 70s where it was kind of drawn out and everyone kind of calmed down a little bit. Oh, it wasn't the 80s, was it? <laughs> yes, it, it finished in 1989. Well, the Berlin um, Wall came down in 1989. Spoilers. Oh, it was a long time. It was 40-50 years. I've watched Atomic Blonde. Oh, I see. It's a good film. The term Cold War was coined first, well, this, this is, it, it could have been a French thing for several years, but in 1945, which is also the end of the First World War, uh, the Second World War, mm-hmm. there's going to be some overlap. Oh. George Orwell, the British writer, coined the term Cold War in the Tribune, a British newspaper. And Bernard Barrich, who was a Democratic Party political consultant in America, uh, in a speech in April 1947 said, Let us not be deceived. We are today in the midst of a Cold War. So... It was there was nothing there was no such thing as a cold war before the cold war. It was called the, it was the, the first and only one. Yeah. So when did it begin? Before now. <laughs> yeah, before now. It's not happening right now. I know, but just... well, historians are split. So after the end of World War Two is is the generally accepted moment that the Cold War started. Um, but well, obviously because during the World War, um, America and Russia and Britain were all allies. So you know, it doesn't make sense, right? Some historians think it was in 1917, after the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, which we will cover in another episode. Um, Lenin, who was in charge then, thought the new Soviet Union was surrounded by hostile capitalist encirclement. And he encouraged communist revolutions elsewhere in the world. (laughs) Okay. Basically, he thought communism was the superior method of governance. And in theory, it is. Yeah. In theory, it's the fairest. On paper, it works. Guess what? Doesn't there? <laughs> in practice, not so much. Um, I mean, China are doing fairly well. Mm. They've been communists since the 40s. Know, They're the only... The poorest of the people are aren't doing very well. No, which is very counter-communism. Mm-hmm. Communism was formed by... Do you know who communism was really originally coined by? I have no idea, and I've thought about a guy called Marxist. Marx, well, Karl, Karl Marx. Marx. Karl Marx, but who's a German I know philosopher. something about a thing called Marxist. Yeah, Mar- Marxist. Yep. Pretty much interchangeable for communist, really. Yeah, he he. Socialism had always been a thing, but he had he really coined the first idea of legitimate communism and how uh, the economic wealth should be spread amongst the people and how it's the only one that will ever work. And he was very influential. Uh, Too bad it was in Russia. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was more evidence to suggest that it was before World War Two. There was um, Western military intervention in the support of. Uh, Russian anti-Bolshevik movement. So the Bolsheviks were the party that took power in the 1917 revo- uh, communist revolution in Russia. 
uh, Stalin, later on, because obviously Lenin and then Stalin, uh, he declared in 1927 that peaceful coexistence with capitalists was receding into the past. The USA refused to recognize the USSR for 16 years after its inception, until 1933. And they're like, oh yeah, I guess it does exist. <laughs> okay. Even though it, it had been operating as a sovereign state for 16 years by this point. And the, the I was going to say the Shah, the Tsar of Russia had been killed and he had no power anymore. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because he's dead. Add to that the Soviet Nazi non-aggression pact in 1939, which we covered in episode one. Oh. Because I'm telling you, there's going to be a test. If there's a test, I'm just going to quit the podcast. There's going to be a test. Well, I'll do it by myself then. There's going to be a test, RJ. I don't want a test. I'm bad at them. It's happening. And also the Soviet perception that the US joined the war late, so they could have more power in peace proceedings. That's kind of a, a, a genuinely held belief by lots of people. A lot of British people have some animosity towards Americans for not joining World War II early enough. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> so, the Cold War could have could have begun in 1917. It could also have been again in 1945. But that is up for debate, generally. Post-World War II, the Allies wanted to maintain peace through widespread democratic governments operating through international organizations, such as the United Nations, which came into force in 1946. The League of Nations obviously had been uh, in power for, not in power, uh, existing for some 30-odd years, maybe 27. Okay. And instead of increasing their, their global power, America and Britain wanted to enter into a scheme of global cooperation with lots of other democratic capitalist societies. And the fact that Russia was a great big superpower and it was suddenly communist was a threat to that. Whereas the Soviets wanted to have their fingers in the pies of every border country. Finger in the butt. Yeah, every basically country. every border country they had. In these countries, Stalin had created uh, training centers in these, in these countries to train secret people, secret police, who were loyal to Moscow. So in all of the various uh, Soviet socialist republics which existed, I'll get to them. That's cool. <clears throat> during the during the Second World War, he occupied these pla- these places and, and went. Eh, let's let's train people to be loyal to us. So is this where like the a whole rumor of sleeper agents comes from? Yeah. Well, no. A sleeper agent is like a someone who doesn't know. Is someone who's yeah, kind of in mind control until they yeah. hear a, like, a trigger word. Like but if you hear the word, that's not a thing that happens though. Is it? No, I don't exactly. think so. Right? I don't think so. I, I hope <laughs> so. <laughs> but I'm guessing that like. I mean, you see shit like that. Oh, but during the Cold War... I'm guessing it was like, oh, it's a thing, it's a thing! There were defections, and there were double agents, and there were triple agents. I'd love that. A triple agent is is someone who's who's working for the Americans, but is pretending to be working for the Russians, while while actually working for the Americans. You following? So, I am an American. Think what a double agent is. Yeah. So you're say say you're a Russian and you're working for America, but you're actually feeding information to the Russians. Yeah. Um, a triple agent is you're doing that, but you are actually working for the Americans. Okay. You're, you're tricking the Russians. Ah, oh, so you're giving them like fake information. Yeah. Uh, sometimes real, like yeah, sacrifice, sacrifice. You're a triple yeah. agent. Cool. <clears throat> there were several uh, peace conferences after World War Two. The first one, well, there's one in Tehran which didn't really do anything. Of note, so I'm not going to mention it. There's one in Yalta, which is in Crimea. The reason, the funny reason it was in Crimea is because Stalin was afraid of flying. 
<laughs> Legitimately, Stalin was afraid of flying. So they flew Churchill and FDR. <laughs> Churchill, who was an old man, and FDR, who was in a wheelchair at this point, out to Crimea while Stalin just had got on a train and had this had this conference. You like, know, maybe that, maybe that was the source of all uh, geopolitical tension because they they took an. Old, I had to get a fucking plane. They took an wheelchair. old disabled man. They have to fly him to Crimea. I bet he was there like Crimea River. <laughs> well, Big Joe Stalin just like got a train and was like, I'm nice and comfy in my train. <laughs> well, to be actually, where where am I comfier, a plane or a train? I think I'm comfier on a plane. It depends how long I'm traveling for. I haven't tra- I haven't gone long haul yet. I've done mid and short. I need to go. To, I want to go to America next year. So don't go to America. You get shot. Go to get, Disney World. You get shot. I'm white by a Trump fan. I'm white. Yeah, but you'll someone will find out about no, something. Some some slightly left someone wing view you like, have, and they'll be like, "You can't take our guns away." And I'll be like, "Well, I didn't deserve that." No, you'd be dead, but, mate. No, you won't be able to say that. You would say that from heaven, because they all believe in heaven. Anyway, <laughs> well, so Yalta, the first uh, peace conference, uh, FDR. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the president of America, wanted to kind of work with Stalin and not like poke the Russian bear too much. Yeah. Um, it was basically uh, to decide how the European continent would be governed, because obviously Europe had been utterly destroyed in World War II. Uh, it was about re-territorializing Poland and establishing a government there, because Poland was Poland was part ripped of, apart. Basically, it was like, World hey, we're, we're going to have Poland, says Germany, and then Russia goes, now nah, we're going to have Poland, and then. The Allies and the Soviets were like, okay, how, how are we actually going to do this? Mm-hmm. It was all seemed to be going fairly well, but then FDR died and Churchill got sad, beaten in a, an election by Labour Party leader Clement Attlee. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I didn't know this. Churchill got, I thought he might have just stopped. No, no, he, he lost. He came back to, as Prime Minister in the 50s. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I thought he just was during the war and it was done. No, he was president of the fi- uh, prime minister in the 50s as well. Briefly then. Yeah. Do you know why Churchill was beaten? What was the what was their policy or anything like that? Was it like the war's over, we need a different view for the country? I haven't now? delved into that really. I, it might it could be to do with his his kind of wanting to cooperate with com- with communists or their relationship with America or all the fact that um he didn't stop rationing early enough or the economy wasn't doing very well after World War II. I don't know. It could be a number of factors. I can look into it for you if you'd like. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm up for that. But everyone gets voted out eventually. No, no, no I got that, but or, then Churchill know. got voted back in. Like, normally, if something like that happened, like, you're not going to see, like, David Cameron or fucking um, Theresa, Theresa May, I guess. Like, in, like, 10 years' time, get you know, being like, oh, I stopped and I'm back. Well, if Cameron only did one term, then last he could come back. Oh, that's true. Um, well, I had another question for that. Go on. Uh, never mind. Never mind. It's gone. It couldn't have been important. Well, after Franklin Roosevelt's death, Harry Truman became the president of America. Stalin was much less popular in his eyes. Much less popular. <laughs> oh, they didn't like him at all. And then the second wartime conference happened. Uh, post-war conference, Potsdam in 1945. Potsdam's just outside Berlin. Mm-hmm. Which kind of delved more into the establishment of West and East Germany. 
and how Germany was going to be governed, and also it finalised the Japanese surrender. If you're interested in that, yep, we've covered that, haven't we? Yeah. So there were very there were very much two two sides to this Cold War. On the eastern side, you had what was called the Eastern Bloc. Yep. So during World War Two, Stalin's Russia had invaded and annexed many countries in the eastern east of Europe. Uh, turning them into Soviet Socialist Republics, SSRs. Mm. That's why the USSR is the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. For example, Finland, Estonia, Lithuania, Latvia, Belarus, Ukraine, Romania, Poland, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Bulgaria, Albania, and the most troublesome of all, Yugoslavia. Belarus is just a really funny name. Yeah. It also sounds like that thing Tony Stark yells to call Spider-Man. Belarus! What? Haven't you seen Civil War? Yes. You know when Tony Stark is like calling Spider-Man and Spider-Man flips over holding yeah. the shield? He yells Underus or something like that. Uh, but it just sounds like he's going, Belarus! Oh. <laughs> okay, well those... <laughs> Alright. Those 10 or 12 or so satellite nations had been... Um, Engulfed by the USSR by 1948. You are ours. Deal yes, with it. Pretty, pretty much. It's pretty. It's quite similar to what Putin's Russia did with. Um, was it Ukraine? Georgia. It was okay. Georgia, not the state of Georgia, obviously. <laughs> did you see that before? People like tweeting, going, "Apparently, Russia has invaded Georgia, but I'm here in Atlanta and I don't see any tanks anymore." <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. Uh, he basically wanted to create a buffer zone against Nazi attack or if there was a re-Nazification of Germany, he wanted to, he wanted to be like, I'm, I'm scared, I don't want that anymore. So he created this huge buffer zone of Eastern countries where he also happened to control the politics, <laughs> of course. Yeah. He had the secret police I told you about were called the NKVD. The NKVD stands for something in Russian, which I don't know. I was guessing it wouldn't have been English because NKVD, I'm like, what the hell can that mean? National Communist with a K. V-V- vagina. Why did you immediately go for vagina? Vuvuzela. 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 Democracy. No, not yeah. Venezuela. So the NKVD Vuvuzela. were in these territories and they were basically there to crush any anti-communist feeling. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what Russia did. It was this separation of Europe that Churchill referred to in his Iron Curtain speech. Okay. Yeah, you know yeah. what? It goes from Stettin in the Baltic to Trieste in the Adriatic. And Iron Curtain has descended upon. See, this is the thing about history. There was a lot of overlap. You can know because you know about you know a bit about World War Two. You know about the Iron Curtain. So you kind of that feeds into your knowledge of. Cold War. Like my 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 goal with this podcast like series. Episodes. <laughs> my goal with this series is to not just educate the public, but educate you particularly, RJ, on the history. <laughs> Hopefully, by the end of season thirty-eight, you'll know everything there is to know about history, and I can just retire. <laughs> I start teaching yeah. as a professor in the University of Oxford <clears throat> about history, and they're like. How did you get into history? My friend was smart at history and I did a podcast. <laughs> Where can we find this ma- magical podcast? He just said, I don't know history. You can find it on ye old internet. Internet? We've got mind brain now. You can find I don't know history 
on iTunes, yeah. Stitcher, Blueberry. Yeah. And my favourite place currently, Radio Public. Yes, in fact, Radio Public is a nice little streaming service that you can now find um i don't know history and my podcast cup raj i want to thank uh, radio public like for, thank. for featuring us yeah they both our podcasts us. i don't know history and cup rj yeah they tell f- me a little bit about cup rj raj uh cup raj is a talk show uh in which we talk about a different topic every week um just having a little bit of fun and then we play some games i've been uh, on it numerous times you've numerous times five i think Four. No, Four. I think I was quite. I did three episodes oh, yeah. in the intermission. Yeah, yeah, that was it. And then you're not on it now until next season. No, I know that's fine. You've already said you were meant to be on it this week if we went to Brighton, but you know, <laughs> yeah, last, no. we couldn't go to Brighton. We so couldn't go sorry. to Brighton. Sorry, Luke. But uh, thank you, Radio Public, for putting us on your indies to watch out for list. Yeah, like, that, was that was awesome. really cool. That was awesome because they tagged me, and I was like, ooh, and then I saw I don't know my history got tagged. I was like. What? Like, I got really excited that we, like, on this list of people, yeah. both of our podcasts. But both our podcasts. Yeah. That was pretty sweet. If it was just one, it would have been like, oh, well, you know, my podcast could do. <laughs> yeah, like, if uh, if it was, I don't know, history, we can both take pride in yeah, that. Yeah, we can. Because um, RJ is your co-host. Podcast, I would have been like, I would have been more, I would have been it's like, my look podcast at all the work that you did. That RJ, RJ edits and produces. Dis- produces and distributes. Yeah. And had the initial idea for. I just learn, I just, like, re-brush up on come- history and use my dulcet tones. I'm the producer, you're the showrunner. Okay. There we go. What is what what is a showrunner's so, job? So uh, a showrunner's job. Don't say to run say the like, show. So say like let's take uh, Russell T Davis in Doctor Who. He would have been classed as the showrunner because he wrote and like kind of paced out Doctor Who. You write mm-hmm. and pace out every single episode. That's you true. Know that you know you got to get an hour worth of content. You got to do your research. That's what you do. I do everything else from the marketing to the editing to the distributing to the you know making sure that everything is safe online for it we use all your equipment as well and also my equipment you're the hardware supplier yep best boy and gaffer and key grip I don't think we yes we've got a key grip I am currently holding the key it's the light guy well there's a key blade here (laughs) no no. put it down put it down well, it's, um, you're, you're, it's the light in your house. Oh, you're, you're in charge of that. Stop so it. Key grip. Stop it. Stop. Stop. Stop it. Um, yes, yeah, so thank you very much, Radio Public, for putting us on that list. Um, uh, we appreciate it very much. Uh, we now actually use uh, Radio um, Public on uh, cupraji.uk to host, uh, well, just has an automatically updating uh, playlist player, so you can easily listen, and that will feature on potmage.com coming soon. Yes. Yes, it will. Raji, can you tell me what happened in 1947? I wasn't born, so I don't know. Neither was I, but I can tell you what happened. Oh, you're a soothsayer. I What's am... the reverse of a soothsayer? A historian. Uh... That's what it is. <laughs> Suits tell you what's going to happen in the future. Historians tell you what's already happened. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to I Don't Know History, ladies and gentlemen. In 1947, the USA, under its new president, Harry Truman, adopted the policy of containment. Okay. Where they were attempting to contain, in air quotes, the spread of the dirty pinkos, as they knew, as they called them. Communists. Pinkos. Have you not heard that? That phrase? Pinkos. No, it sounds really racist. Well, Pinkos is uh, a communist. Okay. A- a- just as, like, reds. It's what I imagine white people getting called if if the whole race divide was, like, reversed. Yeah. 
We get well, called, we, we, we would be called pinkos. We're honkies already. Honkies and crackers. I know, but like crackers refers to us because we crack the whip. A tasty, savory treat. And that you can eat uh, with cheese. What's a honky? Mm. That's all. That's just another slur. I, I don't know. know. I don't know the meaning of it. But well, a pinky definitely refers. Maybe to Maybe it's because we're white, like geese. Oh, continue. So containment was basically, um, it was to limit the spread of communism through monetary lending and uh, support and that sort of thing to the Western European countries. The Mm -hmm. Truman Doctrine came out of this, which framed the conflict as the free people against totalitarian governments. So he kind of got the capitalist people on his side. It did rally capitalist supporters in Europe to the cause of capitalism, but it also... Uh, widened the gap between capitalism and communism because people who supported communism went well America doesn't like us so fuck them you know mm-hmm. and these guys are all on America's side and we're on the Russian side it made it a very two sided sort of thing whereas before it was a melting pot of like Roma- the Romanians and the Italians and in Western Europe it was kind of ah we can have our own sort of thing and maybe communism's alright and you know there was, there was a, rise of, a rise of communism in Germany before Nazism really rose mm-hmm and even in America and South America, and it became a worldwide thing, the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Hence, geopolitical tension. Like It's not just political tension, it's worldwide tension. This was followed by the Marshall Plan, which is named after U.S. Secretary of State George Marshall. Now, the Marshall Plan was essentially financial and economic assistance to all countries who would help them enact the Truman Doctrine. Now, they even offered, they offered money, most... The highest amount of Marshall Plan money went to Great Britain and then West Germany. They also offered to give money to the Soviet Union. <laughs> they said, hey guys, do you want to not be communist and we'll give you some money? And the Soviet Union basically laughed in their faces. But it was, it was, it was that kind of thing. It was a challenge, you know? It was overall around $13 billion was given to numerous states in Eastern and like Western not, Europe. Not taking for inflation, obviously. Uh, inflation adjusted is about $135 billion. Oh my God! Mm. Which is a, a fraction, which is, no, much more foreign aid than America gives these days. Yeah. It's a lot of money, but obviously they're in a, a crisis. Yeah. If you like. Uh, the Soviets countered this with the Molotov plan. Do you remember in the World War II episode I talked to you about the Molotov-Ribbentrop pact? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you actually remember? You're just saying. You're just no, saying. I remember yes. it being talked about. I don't fully remember so, what the thing is. I think his name was Vyacheslav. Oh, Vyacheslav. the name I couldn't say. Vyacheslav Molotov was the and foreign I, secretary, yeah. the Bolshevik foreign secretary. I couldn't stop laughing at his name. It's the same fella. Mm-hmm. He is the name for whom the Molotov cocktail is named after. Because he was he he was such on he was so on fire. Potentially, I don't know. I wonder if Maybe. I made that joke the last time. I feel like I would have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he probably would have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they had the Molotov plan, which is, um, it's it's less giving them loads of money than it is involving the satellite states in sort of some Soviet subsidies, involving the satellite states in some Soviet subsidies. Say that five times fast. And trading with. Wait, what was the first word again? Something subsidies. So I can't even say subsidies. I I can't remember what I said either. Uh, satellites supplying satellite states with Soviet subsidies. No, I'm not even going to try. I was like, satellite subsidies, sh- shit the bed. 
and also sort of trading their goods with Central and Eastern Europe because um, Russia had been largely isolationist before this. The Soviet Union, I should say. Largely isolationist. They didn't really um, have many agreements. They had like a lend-lease program with America during the war, which was, if you give us some money, we'll give you some guns. And then after the war, you give us back the guns and you give us back money with interest. I was like, right, okay, fine. Fun. But aside from that, didn't really work. So the Marshall Plan in action, right? With the money, the Greek military won its civil war and ousted communism. Mm-hmm. Italy won their election to put a capitalist government in place. And like, it just just to illustrate like how communism and capitalism was actually fighting in, in Europe. It wasn't... The way history is written for us, because we're allies with the Americans, is that communism was over there and no one really worried about it and we beat the communists. Whereas in reality, it's... You know, communism was... There was nearly a communist revolution in France and in Italy, and there were communists rising up in Britain all the time. Yeah. And, in fact, just extremism in general in Britain. So, like, the British Union of Fascists with under Oswald Mosley was up and about during World War Two and sort of after that, and the British Communist Party and things like that. Um, and left-wing policies became so much more prevalent. But left-wing is in, like... So weird Proper, to Properly hear, left-wing. It's so weird to hear, like, left-wing... Like attacks like that, like physical violence on the left, because you don't normally hear that, do you? No. You get like a lot of the right wing, say like the shootings and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff, Uh, and then you take a look at the left wing, and it's like they're too scared to do anything violent. Mm. Uh, The tolerant left. The the tolerant left. Uh, But we're more than happy to rip you to shreds on on Twitter. Well, politics is a circle, really. If you go too far left, mm-hmm. you become right. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel like that. You know, it's just the way that Stalin was apparently a communist, right? Mm-hmm. Which has left-wing social ideals and left-wing economic ideals. He was an authoritarian, totalitarian leader. Mm-hmm. He was this the, the leader here. He was the, there's a cult, I it was like um, almost like a cult of personality. It's uh, a, it's a spectrum, but it's just like the. What is that thing that is this? It's like the four boxes and the yeah the, poli- the political spectrum. So it's it's like left uh, at the top. You, at the top, you've got authoritarianism. At the bottom, you've got anarchism. At the right, you've got totalitarianism. At the left, you've got something to do with massive socialism. Okay, because I know they always put the parties every single time an election comes up. They're like, okay, this is where they're all at currently. Mm-hmm. Like Labour in twenty fifteen was a lot further down. Compared to, like, well, a lot more right wing. I don't know where it would have lined up again. So, but then you take a look at it in 2017 during the election. It was like, whoop, it's fucking left to shit now. So Le- Lenin's, Lenin, the original leader of the Bolsheviks, his left wing policies were as far left as you could be. Mm-hmm. Whereas Stalin actually was, he crept into he crept into the right. But like I say, crept into that. He was ma- a hugely right wing, as as we would. Um, the way we would categorize it today, he was a hugely right-wing leader <clears throat> because he was the one and only man who was in charge. and he, he ruled till his death, as did every premier after him. Mm-hmm. So in 1947, the Soviets created what's called Cominform, which was a political union, much like what NATO is today. Oh. Yeah. Weird. Well, it was just to gain more control over Eastern Bloc states and put... Because obviously they were the most powerful in the Eastern Bloc. And if they had this political union, just like the UN that existed, 
Um, America has a lot of say over the United Nations, and just like that, the Soviet Union would have a lot of say over common form. And just to kind of um, galvanize the Soviet states, and also to create a sense of orthodoxy to the way communism was happening. Because otherwise, you're just going to have a bunch of people going, oh, well, I think this is communism. The, the Lithuanians are going to go, well, we're communists, but we do it like this. And the Russians didn't want that. The Russians wanted very much to control everyone. It's this is the this is the difference in ideology, right? So the Americans wanted to the Americans and the British wanted to create international organizations such as NATO and the United Nations to cooperate with people and um, bring together countries with similar ideals and try and spread those ideals. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Soviet Union went, stop doing that. You should do it like this. That's wrong. You should do it like we do. Oh, right. So they, do, they were like the stubborn child that didn't want to change. So Basically. they made everyone else change. Yeah, but Stalin was also, he seemed to be like reasonably paranoid about any kind of capitalism. And they saw capitalism as this, this deadly enemy. You know? In, in the same way that the Americans and the, and the British saw communism as this deadly enemy. Like, both, both sides were, did, did really bad stuff during the Cold War. But you just don't hear about it because obviously we're on that one side. Yeah. It's amazing when you read about history to see like what you actually get taught. Like for example, let's just go, let's go on for a bit of a tangent here. My Irish friend that I live with, when I mentioned Cromwell, <clears throat> he said, Oh, and when Cromwell went into went into Ireland and killed everybody. Mm-hmm. I was like, excuse me? Yeah, did you not know that? Yeah, I uh, um Cromwell went into Ireland and like murdered everybody. Like two thirds of the population. I was like, what what? It's like, yeah, we're we still haven't recovered from it now. Yeah, no, I, Ireland is I, still... I, like... I could not believe that. Because <laughs> this just completely left out when you get taught, when you get taught history in England and Wales. Like, no one talks about that. No one talks about Ireland in general. Like, uh, the whole... Uh, the one thing that I know is about the whole... Um, the church and the nuns taking in um, bastard children. Oh. Uh, and, uh, well, just women who were preg- pregnant out of wedlock, keeping them in the church, taking their children away from them, and... Uh, either um, putting them up for adoption or uh, sticking them in a vat. They a, found a vat. Yeah, a vat where they just let let them there to die. Oh my god! They found the bodies. The oh my there. god! Disgusting. I was told about that. I haven't fully researched it yet, but um, that is on my documentary to watch list. Delightful. Do you know what the first major crisis of the of the Cold War was? Or was it? Where Where do you think it happened? Bangladesh. Bangladesh. Take out piss. Venezuela. Do you mean Venezuela? No, I'm taking the piss again. I'm doing the reverse of earlier. Can you just? Can you try and call Russia? Britain? No. America. No. Britain. No. France. No. Germany. Yes. <laughs> it only took you five guesses, RJ, but you got it. Germany. Germany, after, the, after World War II, had been split into four zones. Mm. Have you ever seen those old films where it's like they drive past a sign and it says, you are now leaving the American sector? Yeah. It's that. Ooh. So there's the American sector, the British sector, the French sector, and the giant Soviet sector, which is all of the East. Now, Berlin was also divided like that. Even though Berlin is in East Germany, there was this one long rail line that got to Berlin and it was split into four zones, just like... Just like the rest of Germany. Now, to rebuild the economy of Germany, the US and the West European powers announced a merger 
of their West German territories into a single federal zone to make it easier to manage and economize. With help from the Marshall Plan, they began to reindustrialize and re-economize. Remember we talked about the Marshall Plan, all this money. Yep. In 1948, Stalin, who was very unhappy about this, he was like, no, look, we want to destabilize Germany and so we can take Germany. But they had basically very different ideas. Um, the Western powers wanted to re-economize uh, Europe and rebuild it and make it into this the 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 superpower that it is today. Europe and Europe and the European Union are kind of the third superpower. There's America, there's China, I suppose, and there's Europe. Not Britain or France, it's just Europe as a whole. Yeah. Uh, and Russia kind of wanted it to die. They kind of wanted to let it die and not do anything with it. So he instituted, Stalin instituted, the, what's called the Berlin Blockade, where he blockaded ground access to Berlin, which was in East Germany, but still split between USSR and the Allies. They wanted the Western powers to... Uh, to change, undo some of the economic changes they had made. Uh, change the cur- they changed the currency, for example, from the old, completely debased currency, the Reichsmark, and they made the new Deutsche Mark, the, which the Deutsche Mark, which we use, now, which they used until the euro came in. Mm-hmm. That would be ninety two. Um, I can't ninety one. The Maastricht Treaty, I think. Okay. Could have been ninety two. I'm not sure. So starting in June 1948, the Allies, rather than going, oh, okay, well, we'll, we'll just let you do that, they started what's called the Berlin Airlift, which must have been an enormously costly operation. I don't even want to think about how much it cost. Which basically went on for 14 months and was an, <laughs> an operation that involved flying transporter planes over Berlin and dropping food and supplies to the citizens of West Berlin. Yeah, they met, in, in just over a year, they made 200,000 flights. To drop food. Food and supplies, because where Berlin had been cut off from the rest of Germany. Oh my god. Yeah. They dropped like 8,800 8, tons of food and supplies into West Germany. And it was it proved really useful because they were getting more supplies to West Germany than they were by train originally. <laughs> there we are then. So Stalin basically by 1949 went... Eh. Eh. Went, alright, alright, fine. But like I said, it's just one of the examples of the differing and com- competing ideological and economic, and economic ideals for post-war Europe. Stalin wanted to create this enormous communist bloc, and America, uh, America and US, uh, the US and UK wanted to go, let's just let everyone sort of do their own thing, which is, you know, really the, the process that kind of won out in the end. Spoilers. Except in China. In April 1949... <laughs> Britain, France, the USA, and Canada, among others, signed the North Atlantic Treaty, forming the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, or the North Atlantic. Come on, RJ. North the North Atlantic, Atlantic Treaty, Treaty Organization, Organization. NATO. NATO. Or NATO. Come on, NATO. Taking the piss. Uh, Take you're the, the piss. worst. Why? Do you, <laughs> why do you have to do this? Look, do you want to learn about history or not? Yes, do you want I want to do. sit there like I a do. smug prick and just make make light of everything I'm trying to teach you. I barely get to input on stuff. <laughs> I just get to be right now and again. What did you think NATO was? What, what did I think NATO was? Yeah. What in general? Yeah. They're like a not a governing body. They they're like a bunch of countries get together and basically they go to therapy. Is the best way I can describe it. <laughs> kind Countries of. get together. Oh, we got a bit of a relationship issue here. Let's talk it out. 
Oh, I don't like what you're doing in Benghazi. Okay, let's see what we can do about that. <laughs> That's just history in a nutshell, what you've done. Yeah. What you've just done is <laughs> I, I want to do that. This country wants to do this. This country doesn't want you to do that. Well, how are we going to resolve our differences? Well, we, we're either going to just sit here and stew and everyone's going to forget about it. Or we're going to have a war. Just like what's going to happen in Spain. Oh, God. Oh, there's going to be a war. There is. There's going to be a war. Oh, fuck. You know what might end up happening? We might end up having a World War One situation where someone shoots someone, then another country gets up someone else's ass. America gets up on fucking Mexico's ass for some reason. Those two start <laughs> fighting. Britain's like, what do we do now? We used to be in charge of all this nonsense, and now everyone's fighting. Grow up. And they're like, no, fuck you, granddad. And then <laughs> we're in trouble because we get cut off from pretty much everyone. We're an island. We start eating potatoes. And then famine. I do. <laughs> You're right. No. <laughs> I feel like this is your frustrations of not knowing history coming out. No. I no. Just, no. I'm just. I'm fine. You're just sad about war. I'm, fine. I'm that, sad about politics. Where's that political war, bell? And just how people just can't fucking get on. Where's that political bell? I think the political bell has exploded. Ding ding ding. Ding 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 ding. <sighs> so. <laughs> just hate history. I hate white people. Sorry. Sorry, do you want to I leave hate, the podcast now? I hate white people. I hate men. I hate kings. I hate people in power. I hate Germany post, like pre-war. Did you think this was going to be like a nice... Ugh. When you started this podcast, it was going to be a nice jaunty trip through the annals of time. No, you I, didn't just, realize I was that excited. Most of history is caused by people doing awful things. <laughs> like, it's still happening. We're making history. Well, in 50 years' time, and we're still doing this podcast, I'll be talking about Trump's presidency (laughs) and how that came to be. If I don't know Trump's presidency in 50 years' time, like, I have Alzheimer's or something. Although we won't be able to talk about Trump's presidency because at that point he'll be supreme overlord of Earth. Uh, We'll have to be like, it was a very good thing. Yes, Trump's presidency was excellent. He had big hands and... Enormous hands. The biggest hands I've ever seen. He built the wall... Around Earth. Around Earth. Stop those pesky Martians. Getting in. Because it was called Marsico. Not Mars. Marsico. Okay. Ding. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. So yeah, NATO. In April 1949. (laughs) Do you know, in fact... um, the USA fought for German rearmament in 1949, only five year, four years after they'd been disarmed, and secured West German membership for NATO. And actually, Germany since then has been a very good friend to America and NATO in general. Good. Um, they're also um, it was significantly richer and more powerful than East Germany oh. because of this, and they're also much better at football, <laughs> having won the World Cup in 1958 <laughs> and 1974. And since then, 2014, but that was unified Germany, so it doesn't count. Okay. East Germany was, yeah. If, if you look at fo- if you look at this like football, just as a an easy way to kind of manage it, West Germany had all the better players, the better training equipment. They just had better pitches. East Germany was kind of East Germany was never good. They were never good at football, and it was just a very a very similar kind of comparison you can make between like economy and oh, what was going on you yeah. know West Germany was much better off East Germany was kind of not really doing so well in fact uh, my sister and I went interrailing what for three four five years ago and um, we were in Berlin 
and the west of Berlin is you go to Alexanderplatz, which is like the the main uh, city center, and it's lovely and it's vibrant. But then you go, you know, two miles east into East Germany, where our hotel was, and it's just nothing. Weird. No one there. Nothing there. All the buildings are kind of just like big buildings that were. Think about it. Built up in the nineties, because that's when the wall came down, and people start reinvesting in, in East Germany. The night. The wall came down in the 80s, didn't it? 89. 1989. Oh, right. Okay, there we go. So into the 90s and 2000s, it only just started being rebuilt. And it's just large amounts of low-cost housing. Huge flat blocks. It's incredible. You and I in a little toy shop. Bag of balloons with the money we got. Where's this going? It's just a song about balloons going over the Berlin Wall. Oh. Did you not know that? I know 99 Red Balloons, which is a German song. Yeah, 99 Luft Balloons. 99 Luft Balloons. balloons. Yeah, it's about, da, da, da. it's about balloons going over the Berlin Wall. I, I didn't know that. freaking out. It's like, well, they say it's not specifically about that, but it's clearly like these kids putting these balloons up and they fly up, fly up. And see, I need to do, I don't know, pop culture. Mm. I need to teach you pop culture. That's gonna yeah, be fun. That'd be interesting. Oh, that we that, yeah, we can switch it up. So, um, <clears throat> you know a fair bit though. I'd say I know you a know bit. Yeah, but you have to do your research. Though. So yeah, so they let the the balloons go in the song, and then on the radars, whoa, this country's attacking us. So then they uh, they start to attack, but then someone else gets you know pissed off, and then just everyone starts attacking each other over this simple like spread of love. Going over the wall. Sounds like World War One. Similar, but it's just oh, it's it's just people going to war because of over nothing. Because people love essentially. war. It's oh, it, rather than shoot first, ask questions later kind of mentality. It's and I, I when I found that out, I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. Ah, did you know what country was formed in 1948? No. Can you take a guess? A North version of something. Korea. North Korea, you are correct. Good oh, sir. the Republic of Korea. In 1948, the People's Republic of Korea yep. was formed under a gentleman called Kim Il-sung. Mm-hmm. The father of Kim Jong-il, who was the father of Kim Jong-un. Yep. He established North Korea, and they got to it pretty swiftly. In 1950, North Korea invaded South Korea. <sighs> Two years after they formed. And obviously... Stalin went, oh yeah, great. A, a communist North Korea is invading capitalist South America, South Korea. I'll help. He sent advisors to help plan the invasion. And he was really surprised. He was really surprised for some reason that the United Nations backed the defense of South Korea. He went, what? 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 Why? Why would you bother that? Uh, South Korea, the United States, United Kingdom, Turkey, Canada, Colombia, Australia, France, South Africa, the Philippines, Holland, Belgium... And New Zealand were all like, no, let's defend South Korea. Okay. Um, also in the 40s, um, Mao Zedong in China, they fought a civil war and he had become the communist leader of China. Do you know Mao Zedong? Chairman Mao? Carry on. Chairman Mao and Stalin together killed like 50 million people. They say Chairman Mao was like the most... Brutal, bloodthirsty leader in history. Way more than it. Are you alright? Yeah, I'm fine. 
Okay, it's really bad, but you're saying his name, and I'm like, Mao Zedong. (laughs) He's just laughing at Dong. Yeah. Okay, would you like me to say... I'm hearing Mouse say Dong. Would you like me to say it in the original, like... No, don't try and... Mao Zedong. There we go. No, Mao Zedong. Whatever's easier for you, I just need to be... I need to be respectful and not laugh at a name that's got Dong in it, okay? So the war in Korea wasn't necessarily that well received in the USA or in the UK because people feared escalation into a war with Mao Zedong's communist China which were huge and very powerful mm-hmm. because before that they had been a nationalist state and they had been invaded by Japan in World War II and Manchuria which was part of China had been taken over by uh, Russia have you ever seen the Manchurian candidate? No I haven't. It's about that. Um it was it was a bad war. It's not it's not as bad as Vietnam. But obviously there were American soldiers were in Korea because everyone everyone knows like oh yeah, John Rambo I think in Rambo First Blood he might be is he a Nam veteran he might be Korea War veteran I don't know. But American forces were obviously deployed in Korea and Soviet troops were deployed in in North Korea as well. It was the first example of a proxy war. I'm guessing two countries are fighting it out in another country. Yes, they're not technically at war with each other, but they are helping two other countries that are at war with each They're helping the opposing sides of a war between two other countries that are at war with each other. Yeah, cool. Koreans and the Chinese... Eventually, this, this, this didn't last too long. The Korean War was only about five years or something like that. The Koreans and the Chinese were exhausted by this war, financially and mentally, but Stalin insisted they continue. Course. That's just also to illustrate the power that Stalin had as this like grand communist leader. That other countries that aren't involved, that aren't in the USSR, so China and North Korea, that he goes, "No, let's carry on the war." And they go, oh, "All right, Stalin. All right, Joe. Let's carry on." But uh, it was only it was only in 1953 when Stalin died that the Korean War, a different country, ended. <laughs> They're like. Oh, no, he's dead. Let's just stop. Let's yeah. just stop. It was him that was pushing us to Have do Have you this, right? seen The Death of Stalin? No, I need to. I'm quite, inter- quite interested to see that. Um, that's kind of like a, a slightly mock, uh, historical mockery. But I'd be interested to see it as well, just to see what they do with all the characters like Khrushchev and Dukov and people like that. Um, there's talks of... Who's the, the guy from Arrested Development? Who's in it? Jason Bateman. No, no. Jeffrey Tambor. Jeffrey Tambor? Yeah. He's the one, the dad. The yeah, 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 George Senior. Uh, have you seen the news about him? Is he a is he a sex offender? Yeah, well, he's he's uh, he's got sexual allegations against him as well. So it's like, do I want to see this film and pay money to go see it now because of that? Because he'll give it to his pocket. Have you seen that all the money in the world is being reshot without Kevin Spacey in it? Yes, I did. I couldn't believe that. I did. All his scenes are the ones getting reshot, and I'm like, that is great. And they, it's like, they were like a week away from finishing or something like that. Yeah. So like the edit as well. So like, he's, oh! he's still in the trailer. Um, they're probably gonna have to release a new trailer. Yeah. So Korea, RJ, was the first armed conflict of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. It was not, however, the last. <gasps> bom bom bom. I think that's all we've got time for for part one, to be honest with you, RJ. Yeah, we're nearly at the hour. 
I will admit. Oh, and we never quite go to a, quite a full hour, do we? No, we did last time. Oh, did Tudors we? Tudors was one hour, one minute. That's the longest one we've done, I think. Yeah. Normally we're on the 53 minute mark. Ladies and gentlemen, there will be a part two of this. Let me tell you. In two weeks' time. Because the cold... In two weeks' time, yes. Because the Cold War is so... I, there's so much already just in the first... Like, I've done eight years. <laughs> I've done eight years and there's like, what, 47 left. My God. Yeah. Didn't realize how long it went on for. The 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 first the first sort of uh, be- between eight and ten years of the of the Cold War were the most kind of action packed, where most of the political kind of stuff happened. Like I said, in the sixties, everything and 70s, else just becomes a, like a kind of man being dum, stubborn. Dum 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 dum. Yeah, kind just of goes stubborn along back and forth. Yeah, and then in the stuff happens in the sixties, and then the eighties, and then Gorbachev happens, and everything kind of goes nice. But in part two, we will cover. Khrushchev and Eisenhower and their relationship. Uh, Cuba, Vietnam, the Brezhnev regime, Mikhail Gorbachev, JFK, and much, much more. What was that? I don't know. Just just excited for next time. I'm glad you are. If you're excited for next time, make sure you tune in next time uh, to I Don't Know History. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and a comment. Uh, if you enjoyed RJ's lovely voice, make sure you follow him at Cuppa RJ yep. and subscribe to his podcast and give him a five-star rating and comment on his podcast. We're asking you to do too much. Basically, if you like us, rate us. If you like me, come follow me at Alex Vakili for all the stuff that he does. I don't really do much on Twitter anymore. You should do. I'm giving you the control. Screw it. You're getting full control of, I don't know, history's Twitter. All right. And you need to actively tweet on it. Okay. Cool. I'm gonna post a uh, random historical fact every, every Friday. Day. Every Friday. Every day, be like, "Did you know that uh, Hitler actually did have both testicles, and one of them is not stored in the Alba Hall? Why was he so angry? Because uh, his he was a psychopath." What? I thought. I, I didn't know it as fact, but I was just like, I'm kind of disappointed he didn't have one testicle. No, he had both testicles. And then not stored in the Albert Hall. No. People want to be like, oh, Hitler had one testicle, that's why he was such an angry man, and why he did so much crazy stuff. He did so much crazy stuff because he was a t- complete sociopath. Why do sociopaths have to be in power? Well, I guess they crave it. That's yeah, I mean, it. exactly. Is that, it? Is that it for this week? That's everything I have. RJ, how do you feel about the Cold War now? Are you excited to hear more? I'm excited to hear more. I'm going to go watch Atomic Blonde again. Oh, and you can watch all the other, the myriad of Cold War films. No, I'm just going to watch Atomic like Blonde. Top Gun. going to watch Atomic Blonde. Was it a good movie? I enjoyed it. It's cheesy. It's like a, it's a, it's an action film. It's a spy thriller kind of stuff. Um, if you want something fun to just watch and listen to some 80s music and the cinematography is real pretty um, give it a watch alright I will if you like history give out a new history a watch thanks for listening guys we'll see you in two weeks time <laughs> bye bye, bye.